Welcome everyone to the JTU podcast. Your host John Joe with me is Luke Miller. Today, how to grow your calves. It's the, the secret everybody's <laughs> been waiting for. So yeah. get out your notepads and get ready because we're about to give you how we have monster calves. The secret. Yeah, it's 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 one of those body parts that it seems different than every body part that people speak on. It's like, well, genetically you just have it or you don't. I, I yeah. remember there's a, a story with Dorian and I forget who he used to speak with, but they were, he was asking Dorian, like, I've done everything to bring up my calves. Uh, it hasn't worked. Like what, what should I do? And Dorian's just like, stop training. <laughs> it's like, it's like not the answer you would expect, right? He's like, yeah, just you're wasting your time. Just put, if they're not growing, you've done everything, just put more time into like body parts that'll actually improve. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, yeah, you hear all kinds of things like, um, oh goodness, about them. So, yeah, we'll, we'll dive into like how I, how we would approach cat training and maybe probably there's probably some myths we can knock Deep out. Up. Probably a good place to start is like, the two main variations you have seated versus straight leg variations how about, how about well how about this what about the need the division need do you think there's a place where like because some people ask that um maybe that's a debunk myth but maybe it should be first for like assessing do you need calves um how heavily are they, how heavily are they even judged i guess um, i think i think it adds a lot to physique and just hear me out i think when you have a good set of calves, especially from the rear and from the side, the visuals of making the knee joint look smaller can actually make the sweep off the quad and a little bit off the hamstring from the side look a little bit more dramatic. From the side, especially if you fill that gap between the hamstring and the calf, I think there's shots where it can add to the visual a lot. Is it extremely aggressively judged like the other body parts? I have a hard time saying that probably. Yeah, you've seen like there's top Olympia guys with no calves. Um, and it, you know, it, I don't think it's going to be weighed as heavily. It's just, it's the guy with the fewest weaknesses, right? And the higher up you go, it gets more in the minutia of, of that. Yeah. So, yeah, you should, if you can make him complete, why, why would you not? Um, I've heard some like men's physique guys weigh in that they're like heavily judged because you kind of have like in the middle is like this board short of, and then it's like back to some actual skin with the calf and yeah could it weigh in more of that division I don't know um, it, it, it I think it's just still when you're judging someone and you're looking at like that silhouette like what grabs your eye and if it's just another body part that can help do that. It's one you should want to focus on. Yeah, sure. For uh, for female divisions, I feel like it goes the same because um, especially if you're a division like for one, your bodybuilding or, or WPD, where it's it, you're basically you are you know? so yeah. that weighs in the same. Where it kind of changes is like what about bikini figure wellness? Wellness. And I think you just need the development level that looks within proportion to the muscular polarity of hams. Uh, leads quads that you're bringing to stage <clears throat> you're never really seeing someone like oh man they're super cap dominant they should scale that back it doesn't really happen so um i, I think yeah ha having them match the rest of the physique 
is important. And you kind of have an advantage if you are in EOS because you are short and captured, it's going to be more flex the entire time. <clears throat> um, I think regardless, like having proportion within all divisions across the board is what you want for your entire procedure. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and I think that kind of brings us to talking about the decision-making of possibly exercise selection, correct? Yeah. 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 Definitely. Um, so I, I categorize them into two. Um, in fact, I give <clears throat> my clients a good bit of leniency with choosing what they do for these. It's just a straight legged variation and a bent legged variation. Obviously the differential here being gastroc involvement because we know the, the gastrocnemius crosses the knee joint. So theoretically should be more involved with straight legged variations rather than bent knee variations with soleus kind of being involved in both, but potentially a little bit more in the, the bent knee. Um, I think variety is probably a good place to start with, with calf training. Yeah. Um, I would argue don't need a lot of variety. As, that's what I'm saying. Like saying do yeah. you need variety, like yeah. is variety necessary, necessary, right? Like, can you stick to the same two exercises and because you see people like doing calves every day and it's like a different calf movement. Sure. Sure. Yeah. Every day. Um, because yeah. yeah. And then kind of walk through where we put it. So, yeah. So with, with, and this goes across, I think for any muscle group uh, where you have a muscle that crosses, even if it's you know a joint and you have one insertion in one origin point, yeah, hitting the angles won't matter, um, especially for a joint that has limit limitations to its its planes of movement. So basically, the calf you can just dorsiflex and planar flex the elbow. You're moving in, in one pattern. You don't have all this side to side movement like a shoulder joint, right? It has all types of different um, planes that it can move through. The the ankle joint, yes, it's pretty mobile joint, but as far as least how the gastroc acts on it it's relatively through one plane of motion so you could have make some argument for like some some like you know moving the toes in toes out it's going to put emphasis on the inner and outer gastroc but let's be real if you have if you need calves and probably all do this train the whole damn thing like it, it's uh yeah. get in the best position that you can to output with the calf because you get in these like really suboptimal positions with like toes way kicked in and you just limit the amount of tension you're going to be able to put into your gastroc and then it's it's suboptimal uh, yeah. or you're starting to bind joints funny and now you're having other issues to occur so no i don't think variety i think use the best machine apparatus that you have to do just that dorsi plane flexion for the gastroc and you can you can ride with that one um, I will say that I have variety in my cap train from a, uh, logistic perspective. <laughs> and so this is what I, what I do is on my day that I, uh, if I have, yeah, two days, the day I squat, I do a Smith squat and I just throw in like this little calf block we have, and I'll just jump right into my calf after I squat. Um, the day I do leg press, I just do, I just do calf raises on the leg press because it's already loaded. It, maybe that's just a lazy perspective, but yeah. either way, <laughs> it, it, it works. Like it's, I'm just there to do it. Not that there's something special about rotating my, 
my <laughs> my exercise variation there but it's just a convenient aspect i guess that answers my question because i kind of lean towards doing calves on days that aren't legs mm. yeah from a quality perspective like i'll start push or pull with calf work as long as there's not hamstring work associated in the pool um, no that's a great point like where, where are you placing it i think it also comes down to what you need right? yeah that's if, fair if this is like a high priority item whatever that muscle group is you're going to want to train first right and also in a day that's not going to influence your, your other movements so like luke has brought up in the past of training calves and fatiguing them before moving into a, like a squat pattern that requires a lot of ankle stability. You could yeah. be, for one, it's, it's a safety issue, really. Um, yeah. You could be Absolutely. less less stable, but also being less stable, you could output less. So that's a consideration. Because a, a lot of programming is hitting calves first before you move on to all your leg movements. And you know, maybe if you are doing more machine-based leg work, like pack squats, leg press, it's not as high of a requirement. Um, but, but nonetheless, it's a consideration to make and then putting them on an upper day would, would make a lot of sense. Uh, especially if, you know, you're, it's a push day and you're not you know, carrying weights all around the gym and stuff like that, or push squatting, obviously. Yeah. That could be a good, good spot for it. Um, yeah. my calves are not super high priority. So it, it does come as at the, I'll, I'll throw them at the end of the leg sessions, what I had been doing that. Now that changed since I changed my split up because I like at least hitting them twice a week. Legs is once a week right now. So that changed for me personally, but um, yeah, that, I think that's a great consideration. Yeah. And I think uh, for me, one of the biggest one issues I run into is calf fatigue, ruining my compound work, mm -hmm. whether that be squatting or leg press or, even had it where if they're sore enough, it affects hinging. Um, and so like, for me, it's like the duration away from leg training is an important aspect to consider. So I'm always doing them at least two days, two days removed from whatever my lower day is going to be. I guess, I guess this, if you have someone that's really needs to bring them up, I, mean, I would think you probably train them every other day. Yeah. Or yeah. the way I'll do it is like, the two days removed and the leg day will have calf work. So it ends up being like four per rotation. That's what I was going to ask. Like if you are training that frequently, you might have some day that falls into a leg day. Yeah, absolutely. Then, then what, I guess, what is the lesser evil? Like doing calves, I guess just put about the end of your leg day versus doing them the day before. Which could affect then the leg session. Yeah. So yeah, I think that's, I think that's valuable. And I think kind of to bring it back to your point, which is probably the most valuable here is what is the priority to you in development, right? And, and then placing that according to where you need. Um, I think you could also consider like choosing the straight leg variation for output could be consideration depending on how much actual loading you have going on in your program. Um, like for me, I have a fair bit right now. So it really helps me to do my straight legged variations and hip loaded straight legged variations. So donkey calf raises or leg presses or stuff like that, where it's, it's not really actually loading me quite as much. Yeah. I will say like the day that I squat and I do my calves on there, like it worked for me because squat is my only like big, large leg movement of the day. 
I'm a leg girl, a squat, then I did caps. <laughs> so, <laughs> so I'm not going through like for Luke, like you squat, you have leg press. Uh, then it, sometimes you had like a, even a single leg pattern, yeah. right? And then you go to calves and you're going to do them like axial loaded. And you know, if you've done calves like this and you're like, hips are shaking all around, and, <laughs> you know, it's just, it, it, it's sketchy. So um, yeah, it'd be better to like just drop into like a donkey calf raise. You don't have a donkey calf raise, a leg press works yeah. as well to do two, two press. Yeah. And I think, um, go ahead. What you got? Yeah. I was going to bring up um, like completely locking the knee. Mm. versus having like a soft knee in yeah there. and uh i cue you know keep a soft knee a slight bend because because locking the knee you actually lose quite a bit of leverage of the calf to work uh yep. on the femur and so I, I would but if you keep if you keep bending it too much and it's also bending as you go down then you're going to bring in a little soleus which not the worst thing ever but also it tends to people start driving with the quad and, and start like kind of doing like some weird, weird calf squats. <clears throat> so, so lock in that soft knee. Uh, so you still have like good leverage for the gas drop to work on. Yeah. I think execution is also important to address because people like to get partials with calves and also bouncy with calves. Yeah. And potentially cueing as a lead point here. So like just understanding the ankle joint, like when we're operating in that straighter plane, keeping it where you're cueing foot pressure kind of in that big toe down position, it's probably going to allow you to have the most amount of ankle joint before you even get into how we're executing these in ranges. Yeah, you'll see people that are loading too much and you'll see if you look from the back, their heels are like kicking out to the sides. Uh, versus keeping them right over the toes, driving straight up, or you know, you, if you cue like push the heel through, yeah. Uh, versus ankle forward, push push the weight up. Um, I think that's a better cue to use. And within that useful rate range of motion on on calves, they should be doing it with, within your active range. Um, but also, they have a great like stretch reflex component. Um, mm -hmm. So control the eccentric down and doing a slight slight pause even in the bottom can help remove some of that potential energy in the elastic part of the of the calf um make it more challenging and get, get better actual contractile tension with calf or at least do you think enough. do you think the pause and the contraction point's necessary probably not completely necessary it, it would actually for if, I think if you're someone that were coming from a point where you're like really bouncing in calves and you need the learning point of like in controlling that joint too, because I think if you're moving too fast, you see that's when you see someone having a lot of some knee flexion and, and using that. So I think if it's scaling back to lock the pattern in, sure. Um, but then from there, you could argue, just, yeah, just uh, controlling. Yeah, I was going to say using it as a learning tool to progress from there, kind of like Paul squatting, right? You Paul squatting to learn position and then yeah. progress from Paul squatting to actual spotting. So that's the straight leg. Mm, bent leg. Component. So bent leg would be next. And I would say if you're hitting calves, you want to be hitting all these all these actions that across the week for every every day when you're training calves. Um, yeah. <clears throat> so yeah, so a bit leg, uh, which we pretty much have. 
Uh, nearly only one option, really. Unless, unless you're, <laughs> <Tab raised. laughs> yeah, unless you're like MacGyver, I see guys doing something with like a, a spit machine across the lap because they just don't have a seed cap race. That's all it is. Right. Yeah. Um, um, probably the most valuable point here is because the queuing at the foot is going to be the same. It is. Um, is stacking the knee over the ankle and not yeah. having like way over the ankle joint or even way behind the ankle joint. Um, more so for that force transfer going through the knee into the, the ankle joint or the foot. Yeah, no, you're, you're right. If you get the knee too far forward, like the pad is too far up on the thigh. And you'll, you'll also like really reach a point of um, linking the calf quick and not being able to fully short it that way. So yeah, yeah you, you want it uh, pretty much to where the knee joint is directly over the ankle joint. Yeah. So to be in a position just to have the full intervention. Um, good tip. Maybe don't keep your hands on the top of the handles. Yeah. Like like you're on the roller coaster. Roll you know, it, it was, it's like a good bicep <laughs> pump today. Yeah. <laughs> so either, uh, pump. Yeah. Sometimes I'll, I'll, I like my hands in front of me, but just like on the sides of the pads, just so yeah. um, I'm not grabbing them. Some people like touch their calves to like feel the muscle or whatever you want to do. Just don't, just don't cheat. Um, yeah. The calves didn't work. Um, I don't really have much to add on the seat calf race. I, I don't think I do either. I think it's just, I do appreciate on the calf, the spot ability of it is nice. If you have a partner, like you can really just take it to, I can't move my ankle joint point and go from there. But outside of that. And the soleus one is like, visually it's seen, you know, and if you want the biggest calf possible, train all the muscle groups that are around the calf. I yeah. think that might bring us to the front of the calf. Yeah, anterior tip. Oh, you, were, you, oh you rolled your eyes. You are about to like just... Uh, <laughs> Just just card that one. Just fuck it. Don't trade it. <laughs> <laughs> the bane of my existence. It's like, uh, yeah, I'll train triceps, but I'm not going to train biceps. <laughs> <laughs> no, it's just I don't have a lot of ankle mobility. And so, like, my interior tip raise looks a little bit like this. <laughs> do you have a, a tip raise at the gym? No, we do. Yeah, but it, it, me originally saying no tells you how much I use it. Gotcha. <laughs> yeah, the, the, I think the first one I ever saw was John Meadows talking about it because I watched his capture. He had some monster calves, and he he's like yeah. tra train the entire muscle group. Like, the, I want the biggest like taping circumference measure I can make. So, you know, train the anterior tib, and it's also just from a balance perspective. Um, I think even like you bring it up even from like shin splints. If you're doing like this much like incline walking treadmill especially as bodybuilders, not training your anterior tib, uh, it could probably aid in, in that. Yeah, for sure. But same thing goes, just getting a position where you can use a, a full range of motion. Um, I still cue like driving through the big toe uh, yeah. to, to um, flex the anterior tip. It's a tough one. Like if you don't have an anterior tip race, there's not like an awesome version to really do with it. But we, but we can have some options like, I've taken a, uh, like a box, a jump box, like a plyo box, we'll call it a jump box. Yeah. Uh, like one that you put your knee up on, hook a band loop 
around the base of it and then you could stretch it up um, and put that over the top of the toes and you do your yeah. two braces that way. I've seen some goofy ones about loading the like standing calf raise and then you just stand on your heels with your toes off it, right? And you do tib raises this way. I'm like, this isn't loading. The tib. The tib, like I get, yes, you are doing, you know, planting dorsiflexion, but you're not, and the heel has to like push down, but it's, 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 a, it's a, you know, it's a shitty way to, don't even do it that way. It's a waste yeah, of time. Yeah, no. Um, I'd rather you put a plate on your toe than do that shit. Yes. <laughs> do do the band or order a tip raise. Like I ordered one, it was a hundred bucks actually. Uh, and got it into the gym because I liked, I, I was on a streak of like, I really want enormous calves. <laughs> so, yeah. tra so train ball, you want the biggest calves possible, train your anterior tip. And that's three movements you could do depending on what you need volume wise uh i would say at least two times a week you could argue like every other day but i, I would definitely like give them at least a rest day yeah from a recovery standpoint and for your foot's sake because dealing with something like plantar fasciitis can be fairly detrimental across multiple patterns yeah don't try to bring up calves when you're in prep and you're doing all this this treadmill walking uh it's not the time to bring up anything it's uh, time to just maintain. So scaling back your actual resistance training forecast would be ideal during that time. Yep. Bring them up in the off season. Um, other things around calf training. Um, what you got? I think that's, that's it. I think that's all I got. Uh, one thing I would say is, is uh, around the like, Every muscle group is going to have the genetic component around it. Oh, yeah, absolutely. So some people say, oh, you either have the genetics for it or you don't. That goes for every single body part across the board. And it's just training the piss out of it as hard as you can and, and make it what it is. It's like, do you have the genetics for potential for big calves? Like, I don't know. Just go find out and just keep working on it. It's, it's a small muscle group. Uh, so it's going to be one that's just very slow to progress on. You have to be consistent. Yeah. Just, just like anything. Um, I've heard other people say like, well, you, you walk around in your calves all day. So they do have a slight training component to them already. Uh, so you might not see as a fast of growth as when you start training some other muscle groups. I can maybe get on board with that slightly. Um, yeah, for sure. The, the, like I, I looked at the, uh, the analogy of like that mechanic that's like wrenching all day and has like, pretty jack forearms most of us don't wrench all day on cars so like if you start training like you might see some more dramatic growth uh versus like the mechanic that's been working all day on cars it's like yeah like my, my work capacity is sky high uh same with someone that's probably walking around um another interesting one that i heard is fat man calf yes oh my god that's a great one <laughs> <laughs> So, and I heard this from Dante Trudell a long time ago and what he, and in kind of his protocol that he was doing cats with. Uh, yeah, he's like, if anyone you've seen that's ever been like really, really obese or weight, they all have like crazy big calves because they just walk around with like a huge load all day long. And yes, 
you have to have bigger calves to, to carry a bigger load all around. So I think he was doing like some really crazy high incline treadmill walking. Um, and you can yeah. do them like lo loaded, right? And uh, Eccentrically load that dorsal flex position. Sure, sure. So like, is that why you need the dirty bulk to get big calves in the off season? <laughs> don't just listen don't please just, don't <laughs> can't justify your pizza burgers every week calves aren't um, worth it for, for the calves about to walk into yeah. destination see ksc buckets lying around in this episode <laughs> so uh, yeah still the, the the basis of muscle building is the same across all muscle groups um don't really change so it's yeah. uh how, how much per set volume do you need and I think rep ranges within calves, it, it's relatively the same across other muscle groups. Like you're still talking, your primary work is in that six to 15 rep range. I know some people have talked about, well, soleus is a little bit more slow twitch. Um, and you could argue doing higher rep ranges. I think that's getting a little nuanced. I think with big picture, you're working in the six, let's call it even 20 rep range. And you need to take a pretty close proximity to failure. You're doing that, that is the big ticket items of what needs to be done. And then also just all the execution stuff that Luke and I have addressed. Um, do those, train them hard in this hypertrophy rep range and, and you're, you're, you're pretty much covered there. Yep, absolutely. I think that wraps up calves, yeah? I think it does. Best of luck everyone on your massive calf gains. <laughs> that's what all i want like being an old man is have sh wear shorts and be like have big calves big and, arms uh, big, calves. Big, big arms and yeah big calves like what else do you want as an old man so train them now guys because that way it sticks around when you're older and you can still look like you used to weight training you're like remember that i was as big as you when i was younger <laughs> yeah buddy you were at the olympia too cool <laughs> my, my mom my mom she told uh she was like in cheer squad or something. She always tells a story like, yeah, the instructor would come by and she'd slap me on the, the, the butt because I wouldn't tuck my hips under because back then it's like, you didn't want some big bubbly butt. She's like, yeah, when I was your age, I had a glutes like you, Renee. I was like, really, mom? <laughs> you, you didn't weight train at all. And you had, you had Olympia level like what a diss right <laughs> like to her it's just like building herself up you know it's all good. but to, uh, the thing about it, it's like yeah you just totally disarmed me like yeah i had your glutes i didn't even i didn't even train try right. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. anyway. oh goodness well everybody uh thank you all for tuning in and appreciate you and we will talk to you next time